This program is sponsored by Dave Stahl. Welcome back to Hour 2 of Gun Owners Radio with your hosts, Dave Stahl, Joe Germisi, and Michael Schwartz. Visit GunOwnersRadio.com with your questions and comments or to learn how to become a sponsor of the show. Time to get involved and get active. Together, we will win. Now here's Dave, Joe, and Michael on The Answer San Diego. All right, folks, welcome to Gun Owners Radio, where the show is better off air than on. <laughs> this, <laughs> this hour is brought to you by, oh, this is FM 96.1 AM 1170. The answer. This hour is brought to you by our good friends at Cali Key. Drop in a Cali Key into any AR 15 or 10 to instantly make it California compliant. For more information, check out Cali Key at CaliKey.com. That's K A L I K E Y.com. And for self-defense and emergencies that can happen to anyone at any time, unfortunately, our justice system may not be on your side. While you protect your family and property, U.S. Law Shield is here to defend you 24-7, 365 days a year with a comprehensive self-defense coverage at an affordable price. Bad guys don't take days off, and neither does our coverage. What's your plan after you defend yourself or your family? Consider a plan from U.S. Law Shield. Check them out today at uslawshield.com. That's uslawshield.com. This segment is brought to you by the San Diego County Gun Owners. Go to sdcgo.org. Join today. Make your voice heard. And come to Gun Prom. Plenty of tickets available. In fact, John Dillon is giving away tickets as we speak. Just go to his website at dillonlawgp.com. Tell him you'd like to get a ticket. He's giving away five and that's a $100 ticket, and you'll have more fun than you can imagine August the 15th. All right, Joe, what do you got for us today? Defense Against the Mob. Yeah, so something uh, pretty current here nowadays. I, also, I noticed, too, uh, my friend Stephen Billick is watching us from South Jersey today. Uh, one of the, um, probably one of the only places around the country that's got worse gun laws than we have. <laughs> really? <laughs> but they're, uh, but um, good to see Stephen there. Um, yeah, so what we're talking about today is, or what I wrote about this week, um, Defense Against Mobs. And where this came from, this is actually an interview with Masad Ayub. Mm-hmm. And um, as part of the um, Armed Citizens Legal Defense Network, um, we get a little newsletter every week and or every month. And um, they interviewed Ayub about this uh, Defense Against Mobs because of all the rioting and things like that that are going on. And... Um, you know how you know we've had Mossad on here twice now, and it's just such a, a huge pool of knowledge. He is a great guy, uh, and you know the interview was just really great. A lot of good information. So I thought on the um, on the uh, blog article this week, uh, let me just uh, talk about that a little bit, and then just link to uh, his interview. So you know I encourage everybody to take a look at that. Uh, look at the blog article on our blog page. You'll see the link to his interview. And uh, really a lot of great information about this because um, we were talking about these riots and things, um, things that the left call peaceful protests, I guess, um, about, you know, things that are going on here. And, you know, what what can you do? What should you do if you find yourself, you know, in the middle of one of these things? Because um, obviously all of us as, as armed uh, citizens, you know, legal defenders and everything, um, you know, the what we typically would say is you avoid that stuff. You don't go anywhere near that kind of stuff. The problem is it comes to you sometimes. Uh, for instance, uh, something, uh, now I don't bring that up. Um, <laughs> so a question I have, you know, where, where do you go from uh, peaceful protest to riot? 
In other words, if if a mob of people are blocking the road and banging on cars, trying to open the doors, trying to get in, is that peaceful protest still? Nope. Is that riot? I have. A, um, I got to tell you, I, my personal. Since you're asking, mm-hmm. my uh, personal uh, uh, threshold is real low, uh, real low. You know, you start getting in people's way, you touch somebody, you prevent them from being able to, you know, escape or or, or, or leave the area. That's a that you're you're in riot territory. Well, and it's you're threatening my life. And it's interesting because Ayub talks about all that stuff. He he talks about the differences, say, between protesters, mobs, and rioters, and it's very interesting. He goes through a lot of the history of it. But that specifically is one of the things they asked him. Okay, what as a an armed citizen, a legally armed citizen, you know, what happens if somebody um, breaks into your car because we've all seen these videos here on youtube and on the news and things like that where these rioters will come up to the cars and they're smashing the windows and you know they were asking um ayub about that you know as a self-defender um you know what can you do at that point and um it's interesting because you know he said he personally he said that's his threshold when somebody you know is smashing through the window of the car you know, from his point of view, that's his personal threshold where he can defend himself. And it was interesting because he mentioned he had just worked on a uh, case in Florida where it wasn't a riot, but they had a group of people that had stopped a car and they were pounding on the car. Um, there was one person with a baseball bat that was hitting the car. There was another person that smashed through the driver's side window with his fist and was grabbing the driver. The driver happened to be armed. The driver pulled the gun out, shot the guy in the chest and, um, that guy didn't make it, but they, um, charged him with manslaughter and, um, Ayub was on the defense team and they were able to, um, to get that guy acquitted with that. But he was saying, you know, it, it depends on a lot of that stuff because it depends on where you are in the country, what kind of prosecutor you have. Uh, he was said in this. He said in this particular case, there was no um, political gain there, you know, for the prosecutor. It was not a. He described it as not a cross racial thing. So the 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 um, the victim and the assailant were both of the same race. So there was none of that to deal with. But he said, you know, that kind of stuff can go either way. And um, it's very interesting when they talk about that, because he said another thing that's going on now is um, the Antifa guys, these peaceful protesters, are carrying um, the emergency things that the EMTs use to break right. windows yeah. to get in. And um, and, and cut seatbelts. Mm. Yeah. And again, to pull people out like that. And what he was saying, something else, uh, you know, if you've got a firearm in there, um, thinking about discharging the firearm in the car because uh, he was saying that he typically doesn't wear glasses, but now whenever he's in a vehicle, he wears glasses. Because again, um, having something smash in from the outside, you know, it's safety glass, but it's going to spray all over the place. And um, it was interesting because I, I thought about something that happened to me probably 20 years ago. I was on 52 and the car up ahead of me ran over a, a like a one foot long block of four by four. And I watched the thing fly up out of the back of the car. It bounced once, and it came right through my windshield. Jeez. And I couldn't do anything, and it lodged right in the middle of my windshield, and it sprayed me with glass, tiny little pieces of glass. I had glass in my hair. I had it all over the front seat. And the kids were little then. Fortunately, I was by myself. But, I mean, if the kids had been in a car, they'd have all got sprayed with that. And, you know, he pointed out that, you know, something to think about because you never know when this kind of stuff with these mobs nowadays can happen. Um, he said, same thing if you're shooting from inside the car and out, uh, just because of the dynamics with that, some of that glass is coming back at you. 
He mentioned um, hearing protection, which he also has in the car now. Because again, if you have to do that, depending on the size of the gun, you know, you could have permanent hearing protection or hearing loss right. from having to do something like that. So it was um, a very interesting article. They, they asked him about, um, you know, carrying on body or off body uh, in the car. And he's a big advocate of carrying on body because, again, if you've got your firearm in some bag or somewhere else in the car, if something happens where you have to get out of the car, or you're pulled out of the car, now you don't have the gun. Uh, the gun's not going to be as accessible probably as quickly if you're carrying off body. So it was um, very interesting. A lot of um, really good tips and points and things that he talks about like that. It is difficult, you know, sitting down in a car like that with a seatbelt on, you know, trying to pull from concealment is really difficult. I use the the Urban Carry, which I know uh, has mixed reviews on the internet, but I happen to really like it. And if you train with it, it uh, it, it works really well. You have to break it in and, you, and train with it, but it's uh, it, it works very very well. But that sits below my waistband on my thigh, and trying to get that out while I'm sitting down in a car is, in all honesty, next to impossible. Yeah, see, and that's another thing too that, and you just hit on that point is training with it. You know, if you're going to carry, if you spend a lot of time in the car, you should be thinking about that kind of stuff. And um, with mine, you know, I, I had switched to, I carry outside the waistband now, and it's and it's more around on my hips, so I can get to mine, and I've tried this in the car. Um, you know, there's other things you might be able to do. Um, you know, maybe you have another holster or something mounted in the car uh, that you're yeah. comfortable with like that, but you just have to pay attention to that stuff and, and make sure that, you know, you've trained with it and you've practiced it and you thought about it. Because, uh, you know, sometimes people just don't do that. You know, they don't think about it, and then it happens, and now... Now you're experiencing it for the first time when you really need it. Um, wow. But the other thing is, you know, when this first La Mesa thing happened, um, you know, a couple, a couple months ago when they burned down the, the bank and everything and did all that ridiculousness, um, you know, like my wife, for example, was out uh, with friends. And when I saw what was going on, I said, I got on the phone with her, said, hey, here's the route you need to take to get home. Yeah, get out of the maze. Get out of there. I mean, you know, you can sit there and argue, well, gee, Mike, you know, it's my right to be able to drive right through the no. town. Where okay, whatever. Stay safe, you know. <laughs> let let the professionals, uh, you know, in law enforcement do, do that. But, you know, I, it's uh, – and unfortunately, that first time around in La Mesa uh, – Have know, you they, seen they the aftermath? Have you oh, it's horrible. It's horrible. And, and I got to tell you, there's a lot of – like I said in the beginning of the show – there's a lot of blame to go around. They, mm-hmm. the, the uh, uh, that's a show in and of itself. Yeah. How they screwed that up, but uh, but uh, what are you doing driving through a riot? I mean, sometimes you come upon it, right? But stay away from well, there. Exactly. Don't be a hero. Yeah, yeah. And what we say is you win every fight you avoid. Yes. So exactly. you know, if you have the heads up and you can avoid that, then do so. All right. Let's take excellent a quick, article. Absolutely. Let's take a quick break. You're listening to FM ninety six one. AM 1170. The answer. There's more Gun Owners Radio with Dave, Joe, and Michael to come on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, educating you on your Second Amendment right. Now, here are your hosts of Gun Owners Radio, Dave Stahl, Joe Dramisi, and Michael Schwartz on The Answer San Diego. All right, folks, welcome back. You are listening to Gun Owners Radio on FM 96.1, AM 1170. The Answer. Oh, sorry about that. I almost stole your thunder. The Answer. Hey, this segment is brought to you by Cali Key. California's assault weapon law makes it almost impossible to own an AR pattern rifle. 
What's the solution? Cali Key. It'll convert any mil-spec direct impingement AR pattern rifle into a straight pull-bolt action rifle so it can have all the features without being considered an assault weapon. It's a two-drop-in solution, no milling, no aesthetic modifications, and no turning off your gas system. Keep your entire AR collection intact at a price you can afford with Cali Key. Check out Cali Key at CaliKey.com. That's K-A-L-I-K-E-Y.com. So, who we got right now? Very cool. Special guest. Um, Rick Hogg is the owner of Warhog Tactical, Inc. Uh, he's a 29-year U.S. Army Special Operation Combat Veteran who's taken 13 combat deployments, both Iraq and Afghanistan, uh, teaching experience as a Special Forces Advanced Urban Combat Instructor and harnessed them into a proven training methodology uh, uh, methodology service company, Warhog Tactical, that he owns and operates. Rick, are you well, there? Before you throw him on, because I got to say, hey, U.S. Law Shield is taking care of this segment, and, and he's supporting uh, Rick. Uh, if you own a firearm, talk to the good folks at U.S. Law Shield about what happens after the bang. There we go. Thank you, U.S. Law Shield. All right, now we're going to talk to Rick. Rick, are you there? I'm here, guys. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for coming on, Rick. Rick Hogg from Warhog Tactical. First off, I am uh, looking at your bio, and honestly, I'm most jealous of your name, Rick Hogg. That's awesome. When you when you have a name like Mike Schwartz, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like that's and 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 you, Warhog Tactical is awesome. That's a fantastic. Try Dave Stahl for a car guy. <laughs> Come on, I get it. Uh, I mean, people. Th- Mike, people- it's got- it's got two G's on it, you know? Well, people must go, Rick Hogg. I mean, that you know, walk away, that guy's clearly, you know, uh, awesome, where they boss walk Hog. away from me and go, well, that guy's probably Jewish. That's about all they get yeah, from my right. name. I was going to say, <laughs> Boss Hogg works better than Boss Schwartz, though. <laughs> oh, that's, that's not nice. A lot, of people, a lot of people don't remember Boss Hogg. <laughs> So, Rick, thank you for coming on the show, and uh, absolutely love uh, Warhog Tactical. Uh, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about Warhog Tactical and what you do, what you offer? Yeah, so again, you know, 29-year U.S. Army Special Operations Combat Veteran. You know, I've taken my time as Special Forces Advanced Urban Combat Instructor and in my 13 combat deployments to both Iraq and Afghanistan, and we've harnessed Warhog Tactical. We provide mobile firearms tactical and canine training to law-abiding citizens, military, and law enforcement agencies. We also consult for both the defense and the firearms industry. And once this kind of COVID craziness settles up here, we'll get our product line launched out there. Um, the one thing I think it's important that people understand is after 29 years, yes, I retired 2017, but Warhog just didn't come about because I was looking to retire. Really, it was established back in 2002 when the first group of guys from 7 Special Forces Group came back from Afghanistan and said, hey, that stuff you taught me saved my life. Hmm. That solidified Warhog Tactical, and then obviously my combat deployments afterwards, honing my skill, and then bringing that to uh, out to the public. That's outstanding. And you, you know, you just did. If correct me if I'm wrong, you're in San Diego right now, didn't you? Just do a class. Yep, we just finished up. I'm actually out here at Academia right now. Um, I got a couple of the boys, you know, Brian and Brett, sitting out here with us, and yeah, we just finished up a. So out here was a three-day deal. We had a one-day low light on the 31st, and then we had the two-day Warhog pistol class that we just wrapped up today. Congratulations. How did it go? Excellent. That's good. Um, so you're you down know, at, at, at Academy, right, which is way down in uh, South County. Yeah, we're down right by the border. So I'm out here chucking rocks over Mexico right now as we speak. 
<laughs> That's awesome. That's cool. So, you know, we were just talking. I know this, this isn't maybe directly related to the class you just taught, but we were just talking a little bit about uh, we've had we have this little town in East County, San Diego. I don't know if you're familiar um, called La Mesa. And La Mesa is a beautiful little suburb of, of the city of San Diego. And a few weeks ago, about a month ago, um, it turned into a legit riot where they burned down buildings and uh, uh, I mean, basically drove over, over ran law enforcement and uh, a lot of bad things happened. And then last night they had a second go around, uh, but this time law enforcement had, there were about 600 strong uh, and uh, there was no damage. There was one arrest. But it, and Joe, uh, our uh, blogger here, who writes most of our articles, we were talking. We were having a discussion because he just did an article on, on uh, you know, what do you do in the middle of a riot? And you know, what, what when is a riot no longer a protest? You know, when does it become? When does it turn from protest to riot? And what advice do you have for people? You know, for me, it's kind of that changing point once, if you want to say, your protest starts going violent. So, obviously, if things are being burned or properties being destroyed at that point, you know, they're they're not protesting. They're rioting or looting or whatever the case may be. You know, again, I hate to say it, the day and age we live in, um, the major metropolitan areas, and I don't know, I'm not familiar with the area you're speaking of, but I hate to have to sit there and go, hey, is it smart for people to – to kind of get out of the area. Hey, if you're not around it, you know, you can't be exposed. But at the same token, I'm not super savvy with California law as far as use of deadly force when they can defend themselves. But people have to fully understand that. Uh, I can speak on the North Carolina side, nor am I giving legal advice. But, you know, a lot of times people get caught in these pinches. And, hey, at what point is there imminent threat of death or great bodily harm where they may need to defend themselves? I, I don't know. But for me, in my situation, I just try to avoid those areas. I got it. Might people lose property? Might they lose that? Yeah, I'd rather lose that than end up losing my life, depending on what the situation is. Yeah, and it's kind of the conclusion. That's one of the things we said is, you know, every day that you don't get into a gunfight, you know, you win. You know, avoiding it is winning. But, it, but yeah, I mean, here's the thing. If you've been in them, you don't want to be in them. So a lot of people, you know, they don't understand that concept. If, if you can mitigate being in one, 100% by all means. Well, and Rick, one of the things we were talking about in the last segment was, you know, when these, these mobs block the road and you see them banging on cars and stuff like that. And, you know, at what point, if they're smashing windows in the car, you know, at what point do you get to defend yourself? Because sometimes, you know, if you do use deadly force there and you're in a jurisdiction, say, where you have the kind of prosecutors maybe that we have out here, you know, they're saying, well, yeah, you use deadly force, but you used it against somebody that was vandalizing your car as opposed to somebody that was trying to harm you. You know, the problem comes in, it's like this. And again, I can't give legal advice because I really don't know what California law is, but here's the bottom line. If somebody makes a wrong turn next, you know, their vehicle is surrounded. You can sit there and we've watched mobs in the past very easily take vehicles off of four wheels and flip them over. If I have four wheels, mobility equals survivability. If they remove my wheels, I've got nothing. So again, not everyone is um, armed and, and carrying a firearm. But again, the problem is people don't think, hey, how can I get myself out of that situation? And there's enough different instances out there on the internet where you watch individuals where you've got armed individuals trying to 
get to their vehicle. Something as simple as glass being up or windows shut keeps people at bay, and that's giving them the chance for them to evade out of that situation. You know, it's one of those rarities, hey, hopefully you're situational aware as far as where these riots are, where these things are going on, and not go into that vicinity. But I got it. If I happen to make that, if you want to say right-hand turn at Albuquerque, how do I reverse myself out quickly and get myself out of there? Yeah, and I think that goes back to – oh, sorry, go ahead. No, the other thing is just you got to think about this, and it goes into a total mindset. And people have to understand that I'm in that vehicle. That thing is 3,000 pounds. I have a lot of options that I can do with it. Right. And, and it's a suit of armor in a lot of ways. Yeah, and trying to get out of there, though, the other thing that comes into play, and it's un, an unfortunate thing about our society nowadays, but people have been prosecuted now for trying to drive away and have been you know, accused of um, trying to run down these peaceful protesters or something like that. I know another suggestion was if you had to drive out of there, um, hit your flashers and your horns so at least it looks like um, you know, you're, you're in an emergency situation anyway. It gives you a little bit of uh, room to argue. I mean, yeah, I guess it could always help, but, you know, there's enough footage out there from the instances that I've seen of, if you want to say, individuals being run over, there was clearly use of force being used against that vehicle to try to get those occupants out. So, uh, again, I got it. The problem is, if you want to say the legal system, slightly flawed as far as prosecutors trying to prosecute law-abiding citizens that ventured towards, quote-unquote, a peaceful uh, situation, now trying to be extracted from their vehicle, and they do something to remove themselves from that situation and then try to be prosecuted, to me it doesn't make a whole bunch of sense. So what uh, what's the most important thing you want our listeners to know about Warhog Tactical and uh, and about being a gun owner in 2020? And, you know, we actually just got concealed carry for the first time uh, in decades, so we have a lot of uh, a brand, brand new influx of CCW holders. So what do you, what do you think the most important thing that, uh, that, that you want our listeners to know, uh, uh, the, you know, considering those, those, those three things? Sure. So the biggest thing is we've seen an influx both in the uh, concealed carry and also just the, the firearms, first-time firearm owners themselves. First thing I'm going to tell them to do is get some training. That's first and foremost. So just because I have that tool doesn't mean I've got the capability. And, again, looking at how Warhawk Tactical conducts business with our open enrollment to civilians, it's all a building block methodology. So, again, our classes are for everybody. It doesn't matter what your skill set is. You're going to benefit from it. And we use a building block methodology where we're laying a solid foundation in the fundamentals. And we introduce some different thought processes and stresses in there that, God forbid, they ever are in a deadly force encounter. They will wind up on the other side unharmed. That's awesome. All right, Rick. Well, what's your website? Website is Warhog, W-A-R-H-O-G-G dot com. Warhog.com. Rick, thank you so much for being on the show. Appreciate you coming out to San Diego and and training all the good folks and uh, uh, safe travels. Appreciate it, guys. Stay safe out there. All right, buddy. Hey, we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to FM 961 AM 1170. The answer. All right. 
folks. Welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 961, AM 1170. The answer. Hey, folks, thousands and thousands of pandemic panic buyers just found out what San Diego shooters already knew. A.L. Schwartz Firearms in El Cajon has the widest selection of guns in the county. A.L. Schwartz has hundreds of different new and used guns in stock and everything you could want for an AR-15. Whether you're looking for the latest competition rifle, combat pistol, or collectible cowboy iron, you'll find it at A.O. Sword. They are also professional gunsmiths with a full machine shop. They can clean, repair, upgrade, or even customize your gun, including Cerakote. Check out A.O. Sword's legal and technical updates as well on Facebook or on AOSword.com. And with that being said, we have our firearms technical expert expert david chong on the line hey dave how you doing buddy i i, I guess better than you your air conditioning is not working uh yeah, no my no, gosh. It's oh, about, sorry yeah. to hear that well yeah. you're welcome to come uh, come over to where i am and enjoy the uh ac and maybe hop in the pool yeah i think these <laughs> these eggs may hatch if it gets any warmer in here. <laughs> <laughs> i want to talk 80 about 80 degrees in the studio oh, oh shoot yeah, it's funny too. Oh, eighty man. degrees outside is pleasant, but like eighty degrees in a room is There's not. There's no wind other than <laughs> There's no you windows two, too. Other so than it's all you stuffy. two talking, that's the only yeah, well, wind least, we got. Yeah, we got. <laughs> at least you're in good company. <laughs> yeah, you're not sitting in here. That's, that's the sauna. other thing that's the problem. Oh, never mind. Bump, <laughs> rump, bump, oh shoot. Bump, bump. Okay. Um, so many people have uh, changed their thinking on protecting themselves over, you know, in 2020. And, uh, I think that's a great thing. Um, I, it, it, I haven't changed my mind at all. I, I have always believed that, uh, it is imperative that, uh, people provide for their own safety and security, uh, from lawlessness and criminal beha- behavior because, uh, uh, it, it's just very inconvenient and, uh, no one will, no police officer will volunteer to stay in my backpack all day. <laughs> it did. It all um, se- that did seem to happen in 2020. I mean, really, yeah. truly, I think you, you, yeah. I hadn't really thought about it quite like that. But this is the year that all that uh, a lot of things changed on that front. Yeah, and even the when when the mass media is saying maybe we should think about this, you know, something's changed. I, I guess you oh. could say that foresight is 2020. Well, congratulations to you and all the gang for having foresight. (laughs) Um, So people are investing in uh, protecting themselves, buying uh, tools to uh, uh, affect that uh, protection, like uh, firearms and uh, also other things like people boarding up shops or increasing their levels of security in their homes and businesses, all good stuff. uh, I want to talk about what, uh, what people are doing to protect those investments. Um, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll give you an example so, so that nobody's, uh, it's not one upsmanship. I will tell you, I have over $10,000 invested in my nicest firearm. It's a um, Barrett MRAD in 338 Lapua. That's, uh, uh, wow. golly, about seven thousand dollars, and then with with some accessories, and and then the the glass on it, the scope, so I can reach out and touch something at a, a mile. Um, uh, that's another uh, seven thousand dollars. So, ugh, that, 
I, I said 10, I guess I'm up to 14 or 15. Uh, that's, and then the uh, countless hours invested in, in dialing that in. Not everybody has that level of a, of a, you know, a, a precision rifle, but, uh, what about you guys? What, what do you think you have invested in, in your most expensive firearm? <laughs> probably. I don't want to say that on the air. I think my wife's probably yeah. listening. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think over I have a, a grand over uh, two grand. Yeah. Right? Probably at least $200. Dave. No, I have a, uh, yeah. I have a three, <laughs> I have a Steyr SSG 04 in three, uh, uh, in uh 300 wind mag. And I have a Leupold scope sitting on top of that. That's twenty-five power. So that's you're, you're, that probably is about a I don't know four four or five thousand dollar depending uh, sure. setup something like that. So not not quite your area, but that's 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 the best I got. It is it is not uncommon for people to have uh, um, two thousand uh, dollar handguns, uh, three thousand dollar ARs. After you consider all of the extra one hundred dollars this, one hundred dollars that, and uh, you know, five hundred to a thousand dollar affordable optics, and so we're taking these. Uh, uh, you know, one thousand. Hey, some people have fifteen hundred dollar Glocks these days. I've looked at the retail prices. <laughs> <laughs> um, you notice how quiet they, Joe is on this side. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. I took yeah. I took the different approach. Well, I took the same approach I took with my wristwatches that I get now because. Uh, when I first got in the wristwatches, I saw that $15,000, you know, IEC big pilot. And I thought, well, I could get one of those or I could limit myself to like $3,000 watches and get a half a dozen of them. So, or get 22 bullivas for $39.95. <laughs> so I went the same way with the guns. So that I, I can't go beyond the Daniel Defense AR with a nice Trigicon um, red dot on it. That's a pretty nice setup, though, and it costs a pretty penny. Coming all the way back to what Michael said, though, you know the old joke, is my, my worst nightmare is that after I die, my wife sells off my guns for what I told her I paid for them. <laughs> ah, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah. So people are taking these $1,000, $2,000, $5,000 investments, and they're storing them in the closet or in a $200 stack-on gun locker from, uh, you know, the local uh, Walmart. Oh, that- uh, or even putting them in a... You know, a Costco uh, residential security container that isn't even an actual safe, and there's a little disclaimer on those that says so, and that's that's made out of like four, 16 or 14 gauge steel. That is uh, less than one tenth of an inch thick. Mm. When you when you compare that to uh, the made in North America premium Canon series, which aren't sold in Tractor Supply or Costco, um, that's uh, double the thickness. Those are in at about uh, well, ten gauge steel, but then there's two of the those plates that adds up to um, two plates of uh, fifteen hundredths thick. Uh, you're uh, right up there at uh, let's see, cumulative three sixteenths of an inch. Mm. Um, we just became the uh, exclusive supplier uh, and uh, retailer of Champion safes. Mm. Um, uh, only, only dealership south of Los Angeles. Uh, these are the absolute best world-class safes at an affordable price. And affordable again, you know, it, it, uh, they they started about a thousand dollars, and you can easily spend six thousand dollars on these things. But once again, they can hold 
40 or 60 or 80 firearms, each of them worth 500 to $5,000, um, fully warranted, three sixteenths of an inch thick steel. They don't even measure it in gauge, or excuse me, three eighths of an inch thick. Uh, to, to measure it in gauge steel, it'd be triple aught. That's, uh, um, and that's just the front face. Uh, so again, champion safes, uh, they, they come in furniture grade, uh, finishes, uh, gloss, uh, uh, gloss tone paint and, um, uh, just amazing features, uh, fully warranted. And when you, when you feel them in our showroom, you can tell the difference between these things and even the, our, our premium cannons, which again, are not the China cannons that uh, are on sale in big box stores, uh, same brand, but, uh, made in North America. So our cannons are good too, but man, the, the champions are amazing. They are the champions. You'll have to go down and check yeah. it out, Mike. I, I got to tell you, I, uh, I will admit, um, I don't have a safe. I have a locker. I mean, it really isn't a safe. No, you need a sock. It was all I could afford back when I, when I could afford it. And I have been in analysis paralysis for like a decade now. And it's, it might be time. So Dave, David. let me ask you the most important question. If yeah. someone was to come down and buy a champion off of you, how do they get it from your store to their house? We we deliver what we sell for half the price of what you would get a a, a quote for, and we we don't just drop it off at your curb like the big box stores. We actually bring it into your house, uh, set it up where you want it. Uh, we even have extras like uh, dynamats that'll protect your. Uh, tile or hardwood floor, uh, cut two size. Um, and so that's going to run anywhere from 150 to $300 for the Mac daddy safes that are larger than the a double refrigerator. Mm, wow. Beautiful well, safes. We can, we can give you all of the rundown of, of why they're so much better. And the fire ratings are incredible. Oh, one last point. It, when we had the, uh, the fires ravage, uh, East County a few years back, uh, a locksmith went through as a as a courtesy to his neighbors and uh, got into all the safes. And the only safes that made it were were champions. Wow! Yeah, I heard the and, same thing. And and, yeah. and and I wanted to bring up the installation because a lot of people don't realize, you know, once you get it, how do you get it from point A to point B? And and if you don't know how to set a safe up, it it could be a real challenge. Absolutely. Yeah. So are you eating your Wheaties then? Is that what you're telling me? Because those things aren't 400 pounds. 2,000 pounds and up, some of them. Uh, so nobody's just going to kick it over and uh, <laughs> drop it into their uh, their pickup bed for sure. We have, um, golly, actually tens of thousand dollars invested in uh, a specialty drop trailer, specialty oh, yeah. moving equipment. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, you got to have it. Otherwise, yeah, it's no fun. That's cool. Yeah, well, I'm really, I'm, I'm stoked. I'm excited about this. You got to go look. I'm serious. I am. Yeah, I'm really excited about this, David. You're, I'm going to have to uh, to come down and check all this. You out. coming to Gun Prom? Do you? Yes, sir. Yeah, you going to bring is. one of those safes? Uh, heck no. <laughs> bring that four thousand dollar one so Mikey can take a look at. It. He'll help you unload it. Do you have uh, Do you have them in the shop? Then uh, people can yes, put, put their paw prints all over them and. Yeah, we do. We uh, our initial shipment was uh, twelve of them. Uh, we Whoa. nine of nine of them sold within the first uh, week of, of them being here. They're, I was they're incredible say, value. Where are you putting them? So we have a whole. I don't even know that you've been in that other room. Uh, 
you, you've visited like two thirds of our shop. There's a whole uh, other thousand square feet of uh, safe uh, room. We call it. Well, see, I've only, I, I haven't passed security yet, so I'm still working my way to the back. VIP. <laughs> yeah. That's, but, but you'd rather have you oh, all t- price ranges and all sizes we got in stock. Dave, you'd rather eat than take me on a tour. So let's not even go. There. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I couldn't help it, my friend. All right. Hey, again, buddy, thanks a lot. Look forward to seeing you at Gun Prom. We're going to have a great time, and uh, we'll be talking to you down the road, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. All thanks, right. David. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Gun Owners Radio on FM 96.1 AM 1170. The Answer. Welcome back to Gun Owners Radio on FM 96.1 AM 1170. The answer. Hey, folks, California assault weapon laws make it almost impossible to own an AR pattern rifle. What's the solution? Cali Key. It'll convert any mil-spec direct impingement AR platform rifle into a straight pull-bolt action rifle so it can have all the features without being considered an assault weapon. It's a true drop-in solution. No milling, no aesthetic modifications. And no turning off your gas system. Keep your entire AR collection intact at a price you can afford with Cali Key. Check out Cali Key at CaliKey.com. That's K-A-L-I-K-E-Y.com. Also, self-defense and emergencies can happen to anyone, and unfortunately, the justice system may not be on your side. While you protect your family and property, U.S. Law Shield is here to defend you 24-7, 365 days a year. With the comprehensive self-defense coverage, at an affordable price. Bad guys don't take days off, and neither does our coverage. What's your plan? After you defend yourself and your family, consider a plan from U.S. Law Shield. Check them out today at uslawshield.com. That's uslawshield.com. Hey, home mortgage interest rates are definitely dropping. And if you're looking to buy, refi, or if you're considering a reverse mortgage, call our local mortgage guy that you can trust. Call Chris Wiley at PRMI Mortgage. For nearly 25 years, Chris has been helping local San Diegans with all their mortgage needs. Call Chris at 619-722-1303 or just go to primeres.com backslash alpine. All right, we're going to stump the kid. I just know it. Love Weezer. Bringing Weezer in with uh, for your intro song there, Sam. What do you think, man? Not bad. <laughs> all right, good. All right, this uh, you ready for the uh, for the question this week, man? Have you been uh, getting plenty of sleep and taking your vitamins? I've been eating my Wheaties. Eating your Wheaties, excellent. Okay, so Sam the Gunman is back every week. We have a segment called Stump My Nephew. Sam is my twenty year old nephew, soon to be twenty one. Um, what are you twenty? You're just a couple weeks away, right? Yeah, August fifteenth. August fifteenth. Oh yeah, Jeez, I know problem. that date. Yeah. So. Uh, he knows a heck of a lot of gun trivia. So every week we have somebody write in and uh, send us a question to try to stump my nephew. If we use your question on the air, you get a T-shirt. If you stump my nephew, you get a hat. Ooh. Ah. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, without further ado, JoJo from East Lake writes in, and JoJo wants to know, what is the biggest... Most well-known difference between the Canadian C7 and the U.S. M16. 
Thank you for the question, Jojo. Now, uh, to provide a little bit of background, um, <laughs> as I always like to do, uh, the uh, AR-15 platform is um, one of the most popular rifles in military use uh, the world over in various guises. Uh, for a long time, the United States uh, Army and Marine Corps fielded the M16, uh, various variants thereof. But the Canadian military uses something very similar uh, called the C7, um, currently the C7A2, which is made by uh, Demico, which was formerly Colt Canada, or maybe I have that the other way around. Anyway, um, the differences are... As I understand it, this might not be totally accurate, but as I understand it, the differences are in terms of dimensions of everything, uh, because the uh, Canada being a country that uses uh, metric tooling, they converted everything to metric. I believe that's what the difference is. That's that's definitely one of the differences. Um, by the way, is this the first time you've heard this question? Yeah, it is. It did and were you prepared in any way of as far as the question I was going to ask you? No, I'm I'm not too uh, up to date on Canadian war material. Yeah, well, that's uh, I got to tell you, uh, this this question was was picked just a few hours ago. Uh, Sam is never prepared for these, and for whatever reason, uh, he's always able to give us a, a dissertation and an accurate answer. That is an accurate answer, but. There's actually one more uh, fairly significant uh, difference. Yeah, it, you're, you're right. They commit. They uh, it's it's metric. They converted everything to metric, and and uh, so all the dimensions are are different. Do you remember? Is there any other one? Any other big difference? Um, yeah, the uh, the furniture is green. It uses uh, the the C7A2 uses um, uh, M16 style uh, plastic furniture. That is uh, green for whatever reason. I guess that was a military requirement. And uh, as I recall, the um, the rail on the top of the receiver on uh, examples that have uh, flat top receivers is also dimensionally a little bit different from uh, standard Picatinny rail. Is that correct? It, it, that is also correct. All of this is absolutely correct. You did a fantastic job. Uh, one of the ones, so so JoJo wrote this, wrote in, uh, gave us one example, and I actually went in and did some research and found out that everything you just said is absolutely accurate. But what JoJo was looking for specifically is uh, the biggest difference is the barrel. Um, the C7 rifle uses a cold hammer forged barrel, uh, which are sturdier and a little bit more accurate than a standard M16. Um, C7s are also full auto only. Um, whereas the M16 is either a, a semi, three burst, or, or for full auto, depending on the variant. But mostly, they JoJo was focused in on the barrel. But everything that you said is absolutely correct and accurate. Congratulations. Thank you. Well, uh, some M16s actually do have cold hammer forged barrels as well. Um, there are a few different contractors making M16s and M4s for the U.S. military. Uh, among them right now are Colt Daniel Defense and FN. And um, FN USA actually has cold hammer forging machines. So um, any of the M4 carbines currently rolling off the line there because they're not making M16s for the military anymore, those all have hammer forged barrels. Well, the part you were talking about with you know dimensions, that really is uh, probably the most uh, you know substantive difference where they converted everything to metric so that they could. Uh you know, whatever they, you know, Canadians like to get things wrong a lot. So they, uh, they, they went from our system, which makes a lot of sense to their ridiculous metric system that 
you know, nobody can understand or follow. So that really is more substantive. I agree. Well, if um, that, yeah, that, that leads to some interesting things. Uh, a lot of rifles coming out of metric countries have um, barrel lengths that are weird, like decimal point measurements and in inches, like the Canadian C8 carbine, which they use instead of the M4, has a 15.7-inch barrel. And you might be thinking, why that? Why not just 16? Because it, it, it ends up being a round number in metric. I think it's like 320 millimeters or, or something like that. There you go. So if someone says, if someone says, "Hey, is that a 16-inch barrel?" Because that's the legal limit, you could say, "No, it's you know, it's metric, right?" It's you know, so you're, no, it's, it's it's no no inches involved in this arrow. It's or are you, or you just happy barrel. to see me? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think your local ATF field agent would be too happy with that. But then again, it's going to take a pretty sharp eye to notice a difference of uh, three tenths of an inch. <laughs> no, you're right. It will. Well, that's awesome, man. I wonder if you can even buy a C7 in in America, or if you'd even want to. Uh, you know, so all the the whole bolt carrier group and everything has to be just slightly different, huh? Uh, yes. Yeah, so I would suspect, which is kind of ironic, because if you look at um, FN FALs that were uh, produced both by FN and under license in various different countries for many decades, the right arm of the free world. The Commonwealth used what's called the inch pattern FAL, which had all the measurements converted from metric to imperial by the Canadians. <laughs> well, then they were still using imperial. Yet they required the uh, their uh, their C7 to be uh, to be all metric. Because that's after they had switched over. Gotcha. Listen, man, we're the United States. We have the guns. We make the guns. Everyone should just follow our our lead on this one. I understand that. You know, other countries, uh, you know, the Swiss make, uh, you know, clocks and the Germans chocolate. make. Yeah, the Swiss make chocolate. There you go. And cheese. Cheese. Lots of cheese. The Japanese make, uh, you know, digital watches. But, you know, guns are our thing, man. So stop messing with them. Aaron, quit going metric. Yeah. All right. Hey, we going to see a gun problem? Uh, no, it's not looking like it because uh. of the, um, the way the pandemic has been uh, affecting various states. Virginia isn't too uh, isn't hit too hard, but um, it's there are some risks associated with me getting on an airline flight that's going across the entire country. What kind of car have you got? <laughs> uh, Volvo. Dude, that'll make it in a heartbeat. Come on out. I know it could do it, but road trip. Uh, <laughs> still traveling across that many states, there are some risks associated with that, especially right before school starts up again. Tell the truth, you'd love to do a road trip cross country. Oh, I wouldn't mind it if, you know, if, if we weren't in the middle of the apocalypse, I would jump right on that. <laughs> well, you will be missed, sir. Yes, you will. I'm bummed. I was really hoping for it because we could have uh, shared the birthday week. Yeah, I know. I was, too. Gun prom is uh, always a lot of fun, yep. but uh, you guys will have to enjoy it without me this time. All right. Then I'll have an extra beer for you. <laughs> you do that. All right, buddy. Be safe and take care, and we can't wait to talk to you next week. Good job, Sam. Thanks. You guys have a good night. All right, folks. So if all you podcasters out there, if you want to listen to any of our shows, just go to your podcast provider and put in gun uh, owners radio and you'll get it. Also, I really, really like you to stop by any of our advertisers and thank them for supporting our show. The Gun Range San Diego, Firearms Legal Protection, the San Diego County Gun Owners, U.S. Law Shield, Cali Key, PRMI Mortgage, the Dillon Law Group, A.O. Sword Firearms, and I want to thank Michael Schwartz, Joe Germisi, Sam the Gunman, and of course, our digital master, Brendan Thomas. You can also go to the gun to Gun Owners Radio 
for podcasts and update information. And if you haven't got your tickets to the gun prom, you need to contact sdcgo.org or go to the Dylan Law Group at dylanlawgp.com. He's giving away five tickets, $99 value. Come on out August 15th at Town and Country. It'll all be outdoors right here on FM 96.1 AM 1170. The Answer. This program is sponsored by Dave Stahl.